0: I'm good
1: do it Todd you go first what did you read
0: I um was well, kind of a work in progress too um but my paperback was a book called elevate which you know elevate and delegate um and then my electronic version is a book called radical candor and then um my audio book is called soul brand which is a fantasy novel
1: there you go. Like You've got like the nice. full loadout of all different types of books.
0: Yeah, you can tell I have attention issues, right?
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Matthew, what about you?
3: Um, I'm currently reading The City We Became by N.K. Jemisin. Um, and I'm going to count this because I'm so close to finishing it. Um, yeah, it's fantastic. And everyone should read it. Uh, I'm also reading a, a beta reading a book for an uh, author friend that I'm very excited to be finished uh, and to share with everyone because uh, it's amazing. Um, and so, yeah, be cool to see that come out of the world. Awesome. I think the
2: yeah, I think the last one I listened to for an audio book was How to Lead When You're Not in Charge. So I listened to that one for. Um, well, and I always run multiple audiobooks simultaneously, so I, I think that's the last one I actually finished. Um, so just trying to figure out ways to help um, encourage our team uh, as well to be better leaders. The actual physical book was last night because I'm teaching my son how to be potty trained. So it was Peppa the pig, George goes to the potty. <laughs>
1: Spectacular.
0: Classic. Yeah, yeah <laughs> there, there's a surprise ending at the end. Never
2: mind. We are we are learning how to yell potty when we have to go to the bathroom. So
0: that works.
1: <laughs> Sarah, what about you? Mine was not potty training related. Um, mine was one that I actually finished recently. Was a man called over of however you pronounce it, but they moved it into
3: a movie called A Man Called Otto.
0: There is the original. It's just in a different language, which I did watch. I did not watch the uh, Tom Hanks. Is that whose name? Otto? I I didn't watch that version. Yeah, a Swedish novel, but but.
1: that was me. Interesting. What about you, Ariel? Boy, I think the last book I read was actually just traction for work i've got my long list of books i gotta read for work and so that's what's filling my time
3: (laughs) at least we can all empathize with having read yes
1: Um. it's a great book it's great (laughs) i love it it is very good um how long
0: long have you been with us (laughs) (laughs) why are you not done
1: (laughs) Uh, i know (laughs) because there's like five to seven books on this list (laughs) Darren and I have made, yeah, rather large reading lists that we were like, we love books, you should love books. And she was like, oh, man. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. For sure. How about you, Kelsey? I know you're a big reader. You know I actually got the physical copy of fourth wing after somebody else as part of our company book club was like you should read it and I was like okay and then of course bookstagram blew up it is good it does have a cliffhanger ending I did really enjoy it would read again did it break my kindle streak because it was a physical book and not on my kindle yes my weekly streak is still alive my day streak broken day runner but then on my kindle I'm reading this is how you heal by Brianna West so I do that one every morning after I do a little meditative breathing so it's a little bit of everything. Nice, very cool, very cool. Well, uh, something I probably should have read or looked at is our uh, Cybersecurity Framework 2.0, which is what we're talking about today on our Tech for Business podcast. Uh, Tara, Kelsey, and myself are joined by Todd, our COO and CISO, Matthew, our VCISO, and Nate, our Director of Cybersecurity. And because I, did not come prepared. I'm hoping one of you can kind of get me up to speed as to what what is this? What are we talking about today? Um, And sort of what are the changes and updates coming down the road for us? Maybe Maybe we should
2: start with the, uh, what the NIST cybersecurity framework is. Um, You know, this is something that CIT communicates all the time, but if you're new here, welcome. but yeah, so the NIST Cybersecurity Framework, NIST is a government agency, National Institute of Standards and Technology. Um, they created the cybersecurity framework um, all the way back in 2014. So this isn't anything new um, if you're new to this topic. But essentially, they put out the first version of this since uh, 2014. Really, the intent was how do you start communicating cybersecurity management and governance to your organization and start putting some type of consistent framework that could be applied to help increase the security posture of an organization back in 2018 they released another version of it called the 1.1 that's really been the standard uh, ever since Um, I know we're I I think in five years now uh, after that now so it's it's getting older and due for a revision Therefore, the whole topic of the conversation is preparing for the cybersecurity framework 2.0. There's been a a nice timeline that's been published as they continue to work on these revisions. It's not finalized just yet. You know, it's received feedback from thousands of security professionals over the last couple of years, uh, and they've been incorporating those changes. So I don't know if uh, Todd or Matthew, you had anything else to add to that.
0: Nope, that's wrap. Yeah. Cool. (laughs) Great work, guys.
3: Uh, <laughs> you, you did cover a lot of what I would have said as well. Um, the previous podcasts, uh, I think uh, a HIPAA one would have come out just previously before this. If you've not listened to it yet, please do. Uh, that kind of covers a similar thing that we're seeing with with HIPAA. Uh, you know, lack of updates, meaning that some of the questions maybe feel slightly outdated while still relevant, just a little bit outdated. Um, and NIST is working really hard to get this new version together to accommodate some of that. The changes. Uh, whether you've listened to the podcast before or not, you'll know that we talk a lot about <laughs> how how some of these how how much things change from start to finish. Uh, just in the past couple of years, we can talk about AI um, and how little it was accounted for to the point of not being mentioned in most of these frameworks. Uh, so NIST is working really hard to get 2.0 out and really make it as modern as they can in relation to what you should expect to experience within your workplace. I guess
2: one of the things I can maybe ask you guys uh, as we did that introduction is, um, why would a company even care about NIST, right? So maybe they're already, uh, you know, doing something like healthcare, right? They've got the HIPAA and high tech and all that fun stuff um, or PCI or, you know, NCA or you know OCC or whatever it is right that they are obligated to is NIST still applicable and then likewise maybe they don't have those regulations is NIST uh, the cybersecurity framework applicable to them
0: sure i'll take that since there's so much silence and i can't stand it um i will fill in the the, <laughs> the void yeah for what it's worth, I mean, CIT adopted NIST as kind of the default uh, framework that we use. If there was something or an organization had nothing, you know, if you were not in healthcare and using HIPAA or high trust or whatever, we just said NIST is the framework we're going to use, and we're going to go down that path. Um, thankfully, I, I do think that the updates are are very timely and helpful because it does modernize. Um, Nate and I have been with the organization a little I, I've been with this a bit over six years, and Nate a little bit less than that. And just looking at the history of the organization, how much things have changed in cybersecurity in that amount of time is significant. So the trend over the course of nearly ten years since the original release is, is massive. Um, but anyways, getting back to what the point I was trying to make before I went on my my tangent was, um, it is an important tool set. It's kind of, all the tools are very very similar to each other. So whether you're using NIST or the FFIEC and you're in the the finance industry or following the FTC rule sets. They're all very heavily similar. In fact, the FFIEC uses NIST as its core. So it is kind of the baseline that everybody kind of said, this is for all intents and purposes, the gold standard. And if you've got nothing else, it's what we typically revert back to. In the security industry itself and especially in, in our industry, NIST is the framework that basically everybody defaults to. Um, not everybody can pivot to the other ones, but again, it is kind of the de facto, this is the standard. So it's great to see that this these changes are coming down the pipe. And again, it is a draft currently, but they're definitely on the right track, getting all the things in order. Agreed.
3: Um, One of the things that I find and and one of the reasons I believe, and obviously there's a lot of reasons that NIST kind of uh, rose to the top with this, but for me at least, I think it comes down to the majority of why people work with NIST and why it became so something that people saw as often as they did, um, which comes down to a lot of what's called CUI or controlled unclassified information. This basically means information that isn't classified by the government, but is controlled. And so the the guidelines around a lot of NIST was to protect that type of information. Because of that, if you worked with a government entity, if you worked as a contractor for a contractor of a government entity, you probably saw this or had it referenced to you at some point. The thing that works best with it is that information and that language. We talk about HIPAA and we talk about PII. We we talk about, FFIEC and we talk about you know your financial data and your, your customer information, when we talk about controlled, unclassified information, it c- does feel a little bit easier to kind of assign that to the data that you have that maybe doesn't fit as PII. Um, it seems a little bit easier to kind of have it encapsulate what you have and treat it similarly, even if it's not that type of data. And because of that, it's a lot easier to imagine that these guidelines impact you even if they don't. Uh, there's a, a very clear way of saying, oh, this is data we want to control. This is rather than trying to pretend your internal data is PII so that you can meet the HIPAA guidelines that you maybe don't have to in general. Um, it's a little bit of a roundabout way of explaining it, I know, sorry, <laughs> but the that's that's what it comes to for me. So it's easy to overlay the NIST guidelines onto your business because it's not saying this specific type of data with a specific name that relates directly to this. It covers a lot of different information. And yeah, Yeah. uh, because of that, you can implement it fairly easily with generic terms, and it feels like it fits without you having to change what you have in place already.
0: Yeah, the one other little item I'd throw on there too is uh, what we're typically seeing in the industry is as more and more of these compliances push out, they are starting to very specifically state this. And we've done this in other podcasts as well. But in case you're joining us late, go back in time. I'm just kidding. Um, as they're rolling out, a lot of them are calling for partners and vendors to have at least as good of security as whatever you're being held to. So even if you're not currently in that industry, it almost feels like, and and we'll probably get to this at some point in this update, because there is a supply chain piece built into the new standard, you will eventually start to feel it, feel it. So mm-hmm. understanding the compliance, where it's coming from, why it's coming, even if you're not in that industry, it's certainly possible that you are working with somebody that is. So at some point in that supply chain, it's highly likely that it impacts most organizations.
3: Yeah. And just for the last thing on what you said there, Nate, for for me is when when you ask a, a business who doesn't have any required guidelines, what does your cybersecurity program look like? Mm -hmm. How do you define it? Um, Or an experience that I've had um, previously where uh, someone said, all right, we need to build this, create something. Looking at what you have, trying to find what makes sense. The NIST documentation is very clear. There is a lot of it. Um, It is a great place to start. Because it is so clear, Uh, it does allow you to really sink your teeth into it and start answering questions straight away. It also provides very clear deliverables on what your outcomes look like, what your plan of action is, something that you can provide to a leadership team, which if you have been put in the spot where someone said that to you internally, hey, uh, check it out. It's very helpful.
2: <laughs> I feel attacked because I know you're talking about me. I asked you to go build something. I'm not. With <laughs> um, At least, not that you knew of. Oh, that, not, was, not that in was the this softest context. dig on a podcast here. Um, I I guess I have one more comment here. Um, I had two, but I lost one uh, after I felt that Your jab. Uh,
0: <laughs> Poke in the eye.
2: Yeah. But so. N- uh the cybersecurity framework the 1.1 the current version today uh just before we start diving into 2.0 um it's not a bad framework right matthew did mention it's getting a little out of date right and there's some additional clarification that needs to come out of that to better help organizations and we'll get into those details in a little bit but if you haven't started at all it's a great stepping stone right before you go deep into the weeds of potentially 2.0 Um, So. I think we'll have a whole comment uh, or a whole section about, you know, where do I start if nothing else or something like that. But um, the biggest thing is. As this continues to evolve, if you're not already on it, it's not too late to start. It's not overly complicated today. Um, And so as you're getting deeper into this conversation and planning out for 2.0, I think you'll feel right at home uh, and
3: not too far left behind completely agree it it really is very accessible,
1: yeah, so I mean, keep in mind it's a draft. What are some of these massive updates um if you can kind of give us an overview what what's changing
3: well there's there's one really big thing that comes to mind personally um also it's probably my favorite change uh, <laughs> those of you who've seen it previously know of the uh as Todd likes to say, the five pillars, um, the five core functions, they call them. um, They're adding a new one. Uh, The the new the new core function of govern, uh, which is overarchingly reviewing and creating processes for administrating the rest of the sections. Uh, This. Covers things like your organizational context and risk management strategies, items that previously had been packaged into other sections uh generally under your um d- depending on 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 what they were there's no one section they were under has been pulled out so that you can at the very and it's placed at the start as in the step of before you even dive in let's see what you have let's see what maybe you're missing to make better decisions believe we've had a podcast on risk assessments um please listen to it cuz we can and do talk about it in depth uh yeah. but the govern function is is probably my favorite addition to this hmm.
0: Yeah, I think Matthew and I had chatted about this uh, offline, so not not in any one of these conversations, although we have had them in the past. But quite frankly, govern is kind of where the rubber hits the road when it comes to any kind of security program. It is not the most interesting thing for most technical and and in some cases, some security people because it's policy and procedures. Right. And that is not sexy. That is not pen testing. That is not it's, it's just not all that. Wow, this is so good. Uh, it is for some people, and that's totally cool. But it is absolutely critical to everything else, right? If you can't say what you do, how do you do it, right? If you don't know what you did, how do you know where you're going?
3: Todd, that was the gentlest way anyone's ever called me a nerd before. Thank you. <laughs> I was going to uh, make another joke about it. You know, <laughs> if you think it's
2: sexy, you're just wrong. All right. <laughs> um. So I, I guess my one comment about that is this govern component, I think is one of the most important additions to this, because the cybersecurity framework today is very, for the most part, technical, right? It's you pass it to your IT, you pass it to your security. Um, Governance really brings in business leaders that have to oversee all of the, the functionality and the responsibility of these teams. And now, the business leaders are deeply ingrained in improving the posture of the organization from start to finish, right? And so I think it's easy to just say, hey, IT, start doing governance. But no, that really does come back to the CEOs, the CFOs, the COOs, you name it. They now need to be involved at a very deep level.
3: Yeah, Uh, I think the the biggest change that I've seen in my time uh, in IT and, and in security, has been the the push for maturity levels, um, for explanations of where you sit in an answer rather than just a binary yes, no, pass, fail. It's we have this or we don't have this or, or we do this informally. And I think the govern section really really takes that to another level. Um, one of the hardest things to do when you're an engineer, uh, in in from my experience at least, was proving something was done in a certain way. And so for me, the reason I started working with with documentation in the first place was I could say, hey, this is how I do it. This is how it's done. Any other person who's on this team can walk in and follow these steps, and we know consistently what's done each time. That, for me, was just a way of feeling comfortable with the work that I was doing. But now it's very obvious uh, to me that I was also providing evidence to the higher-ups, uh, to my boss, to my boss's bosses, Of what the work look like. And the govern section is really just an expansion of that. How can you prove you're doing it? You say the way you're doing it if you don't have processes that you're following. And really segmenting that, pulling that out and making that its own item. lets you see. What a deliverable looks like. To those those higher levels and and the upper management side of things. Something that previously, like Nate mentioned, was missing. It was about doing the work. Is this done? Yes or no, Okay. Prove it. All right, I'll screenshot that I've got firewall rules in place. All right, but how do you make them? Why do you make them? Uh, Those additional steps, while still in there previously, uh, were not given as much authority as was it done. And I, I think making that distinction shows that in any environment, the work would be completed the same way or should be completed the same way, which is just as important. Uh, we want consistency we want to know where mistakes were made or where they weren't made or or why something got in um yeah you what's the uh, the saying todd <laughs> there's a, a quote uh Go on. if you don't know what you did how do you know what to do <laughs> yeah
0: yeah if you don't know what you did how do you know what to do um it, it right so basically if you didn't have it this change management is another aspect of it and kind of summary is how do you make sure that you're continually progressing um and documenting that is very very important going through the assessment on a regular basis is incredibly important And you will see that in pretty much every type of assessment, whether it's NIST or FFIEC or HIPAA, it doesn't really matter. They're all doing the same thing, right? The the intent is to constantly be on this process of maturing and doing that through change management makes sense. Of course, if you've ever been in an audit, you know that the change management is incredibly important through the process as well. Um, One of the other major changes that I think is worthy of pointing out, as I kind of alluded to it earlier as well, is they are going through the process of, I don't want to say we're moving so much as not putting such a heavy emphasis on critical infrastructure and critical infrastructure in case anybody doesn't know it'd be a you know pipeline gas water things that are critical to our our way of life um and it's basically trying to apply it to all businesses so when i mentioned can everybody use it the answer is yes and that's what they're trying to do it's very accessible to everybody and it it does make sense because quite frankly you know if you went and sat to somebody and said is it critical you had a job the answer is probably yes in fact i think that happened during the pandemic where they said only people in critical infrastructure can continue to go into work and people are like Mm -hmm. it's it's critical i go in so off they went right um so it Blurring lines a little bit there, but I just thought it was incredibly important to bring that piece up as well.
2: Yeah, for the sake of time, I might just quickly touch on a few of the other changes. I think most of them are pretty self-explanatory. It's not introducing a whole new concept. It's more just additions to it. Um, Todd previously mentioned supply chain risk. Um, So businesses are still going to be or sorry, going to continue or enhancing some of the security checks of their vendors right so for example now they're going to be required to say um, when you're moving from one vendor to another are there security considerations being put into play Um, also todd mentioned your third parties should meet or exceed your own security standards uh, so you're not introducing new weaknesses within the organization um there's just some additional details about your business recovery process you know for example when do you kick in a, a restore what's the criteria of it can you verify that those have integrity so you're not introducing a corrupt image back into the network after you do that um, do you have a checklist or criteria saying when do we know that we're actually done restoring, right? There's just little subcategories or sub to some of that stuff. Um, and then one of the other components would be incident response management. So here at CIT, we've been helping organizations for years, um, creating incident response plans. Um, if that's something that you don't have, let us know. But they're going to take this a bit further as well. So introducing, you know, um, what are some of the processes that you're gonna do? Do you have capabilities to do forensics in the event that you actually need that? Communication plans, uh, everything like that, right? So if, and those have been core components of a standard incident response plan today. They're just formalizing it a bit better. Uh, Matthew, I don't
3: know if you had anything there, but. Oh, I mean, as you all know, I can talk about this for hours. Uh, incident response is one of my favorite topics. <laughs> <laughs> but but you're right i think it's it's more around in this case clarifying it um and we don't have to say you don't need someone on hand to do you know uh all of your forensic work that's not a requirement but knowing who you turn to in every way uh they're really i i personally believe that this is one of those things you should have just to make yourself feel comfortable i've said many times that it helps me sleep at night uh to know that we have one in place uh but that's The things that they've put criticality on are part of that maturity process, right? Mm -hmm. Previously, they did have it. Now they're diving in deeper to explain it better, to clarify more. Uh, Those of you who maybe don't see this uh, as directly or don't have this framework may actually start to see it come up in other ways, such as in cybersecurity renewals. There may be more requests upon you, so it's worth familiarizing yourself with some of these changes, even if you don't directly, if you aren't directly impacted by them or impacted or or wonder how you might be impacted, just to keep on top of it.
1: Mm -hmm.
3: As part of that, uh, when we're moving to this new version, uh, there is, uh, There will be an expectation, I suppose, from a lot of people that you have to kind of instantly move to the new version, um, update as quickly as possible, just grab the new version when it comes out and start filling it out from scratch. Uh, Thankfully, they're bringing out a cross mapped version. So it'll show you where the answers you have previously will come across to the new version. Hopefully, save a significant amount of time uh, getting that together. Unless you're like me and like reading through it start to finish it again anyway. which I think everyone should do just so that they can see why the how the questions differ. But still, having something in place so the official document does cross-map will, will save a significant amount of time. Yeah,
2: I guess I, I do want to clarify that just because it is cross-map doesn't mean there's not more work to do, uh, mm-hmm. right? Because we did talk about how they've introduced new sections and uh, deeper insight into some of these ones. So, for example, if governance was never there as one of the core functions – you have work to do there, right? Yeah. Um, and then similarly where some of those data recovery, business continuity planning, those have now been broken into multiple subcategories. So Matthew, I don't know. I, I was taking a look at some of the draft stuff. It looks like probably 80% of it will map over nicely uh, in, from what I could see. Um, but yeah, I, again, I'd maybe say 20% of it will be
3: brand new. Yeah, definitely. There's there's a, a document we'll link, which is the uh, the discussion draft, uh, which includes all the items and what they they currently map to. This is just open; it's just a draft, so it's not finalized yet, uh, and so they may change further. But it shows currently where things have been moved to the new govern section, what their previous number was, uh, what their previous control was. Sorry, uh, and those things can be tracked, so you can see mm-hmm. in this cross uh, in the crosswalk map. That's what it will do it'll show you hey this question used to be this it's now this and you'll get to answer some of those questions but also as nate said some of the questions have been split in half what previously was just one question to answer is now four questions may even be split into two separate questions so you've got eight mm-hmm. questions for something you previously just said yes or no to uh really worthwhile reading through that document uh, just to kind of wrap your head around why it's different as well, because there's a reason they've moved some things to govern and taken them out of where they were before. May help some more with maybe assigning some of this work to different individuals, so it doesn't feel like it's all on one person, which can be very helpful.
0: Mm-hmm. Unless you work for a small org, then good luck. <laughs>
3: yeah. The
2: yeah, I I have I guess I have one more comment, and then I'll actually. Stop talking for a little bit, but the until someone asks me a question, I want to speak up again. But the yeah, (laughs) one of the things that I did kind of mention before was the 1.1 is very high level today, uh, and this is going to start going into it. If you're jumping into this for the first time, there are some of the checklists that they have, you know, essentially are controls that they have saying, Do you do this? Sometimes are those are a bit vague, uh, and so that's something where if you're stuck on that, that's okay. 2.0 is going to bring in actual um, action-oriented questions to ask yourself to help guide you to do I have that or not. Because sometimes we, we know that there's um, people out there that they don't know what they don't know. This is going to provide that to you um, to make it better informed to ensure that you actually have proper uh, governance over your security uh, program.
3: That's a, that's a great note.
0: Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I was going to transition slightly back to some of the comments that were happening earlier. I, I think Nate was kind of running through what it means to to companies and ha- uh, how all these different things are coming on from the supply chain. And one of the things I wanted to mention there was, um, again, if you're curious of this impacts you, I would just go with the assumption that yes, it does. <laughs> I mean, really, honestly. <laughs> um, and, and the reason being, um, you know, the, the, is because If you're not doing your due diligence and you're not going through this, when we get into the conversation of saying your vendors need to have at least as good as you do, well, just think about that as somebody else too. So if you're working with an organization and they're suddenly going to start working within the Department of Defense, they're going to implement this and they're going to say, oh, company XYZ, you don't meet these. I'm going to have to go find a new partner. And since you're already doing a lot of these kinds of things, to a degree for cybersecurity insurance, you might as well start planning on taking the next step and looking at a formal framework, which would give me to the next point, which is assuming that's true, whether it's 2.0 or if it's 1.1, where do you start? At the beginning. Which is? Uh, (laughs) Come on, Matthew, Um, it's your favorite subject. Where do you start?
3: Yeah, I mean seriously. At the beginning, uh, go onto the the NIST website and we'll we'll link to that as well, um, and just start looking through their documentation. the The NIST CSF is designed to be accessible um, because it is designed for organizations that don't have um, anything else in place. From there, you'll see the first step is reviewing what you've got, um, getting your document, uh, getting documentation together. Um, and when I say that, I mean things like Finding what you have so that you can start to prepare for what a risk assessment looks like. Um, if you're feeling like this is a lot, uh, we obviously help with that. Um, love doing these types of assessments and and they are all kind of interview based. It's just a, a discussion. Uh, there is no right or wrong answers because we're just trying to find out where things are now so we can find how things get better. Because uh, it, it always does. Um, having that list in front of you may seem like a lot so we're, we're more than happy to kind of guide through that process
2: yeah the the one thing that i'd say is so that does have a component of reaching out if you need help there are going to be some components that you still need to do internally um, and so again NIST security sorry the csf 1.1 today like i mentioned earlier was very technical oriented um, now you're going to start really bringing in interpersonal relationships uh, because you're going to have to start really coordinating with your business leaders as well. And so one of the components I would say for how do you start is if you've never talked to you know the CEO, the CFO, the COO, wh- whoever it is that's responsible for this type of activity in the uh, business, start building those relationships, trying to ask them, why do you do what we do? um you know why is maybe the security budget really really tight is there a reason right and start having those conversations building that up building that influence um, because it'll only make it easier number one to identify that the controls coming out in the governance component and then two it'll help make it easier to implement because you're going to start building that executive buy-in uh, that's going to be required to improve the, the downstream items as well.
3: I agree with that wholeheartedly, Nate. That's how I started moving into security in the first place is just wondering what guidelines I should set myself within the work that I was doing and realizing that that conversation was something that needed to happen. Um, very helpful. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I think it's important to reiterate that when this podcast comes out, this is all still a draft. So we are definitely talking about it again. Um, We're definitely going to bring these three people on and maybe some other people in CIT to talk about what this is and what it could mean for you. Um, if you have any questions or you need help with any type of risk assessment, you can always reach out to us at info at cit-net.com or head out to our website, um, cit-net.com podcast. Uh, thank you, Todd, Matthew, and Nate for joining us today, and we'll be back next week with an all-new episode.